Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Carmen DeVito. And I'm Alice Marcus Creek. And we are Groundworks Inc. We design and build gardens in and around New York City and the surrounding area. And our show aims to bring some culture to horticulture. So, Alice, what do you do in the winter? I thought this was a family show. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do in winter? I actually spend a lot of time looking at. Uh, pictures of the ocean and how yeah. beaches at the ocean <laughs> houses and, at the beach yes yeah. and painting and painting, painting yep. yeah and what do you like to do in the winter carmen well i do i like <laughs> to do the same yeah um sometimes <laughs> i've sometimes i go out i like to stay inside but oh. we get the plant catalogs they yeah. started already like december 26th they started arriving uh-huh and alice and i we like to attend flower shows and uh, trade shows. Some are better than others. Yes, we've we've <laughs> gone to our fair share of them, and um, I thought that you know it'd be a good idea to talk about that as a cultural phenomenon, right? You know, this is the season when most of the flower shows happen between January and sort of April, maybe right. a little bit into May, depending on the region. Uh-huh. Um, so we're going to talk about flower shows and gardening events um, for 2015. And joining us today from Portland is our good friend, Bob Highland, plantsman, garden designer, and former director of horticulture at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. Um, he's going to talk about our local horticultural trade show, Plantarama, which is just a few weeks away, and also some of the garden events and programs that he loves. But before we do that... Horticultural honoree of the week. Yes. <laughs> so... The grand lady of flower shows, of course, is the Philadelphia Flower Show. And there would be no flower show and there would be no Pennsylvania without this week's horticultural hero, William Penn, who was the founder of the colony of Pennsylvania in 1682. And the entire basis of his colony was, of course, agricultural. But he had vision and he wasn't blind to the sort of not just the you know the sort of English agriculture and the products, but also the natural bounty of, of the new place um, that he was founding. So I'm going to read um, from a book about the history of the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society um, by a gentleman named James Boyd. He's a former president of the society, and he uh, he wrote this book in 1929 about the hundredth uh, anniversary of the Hort Society. 
And he references William Penn. This is what he says. In 1681, William Penn drew up plans for the administration of the colony, which he proposed to establish that same year in America. The lands for the purpose had been received by Penn by royal grant from King Charles II of England in lieu of money that was due to his father, Sir William Penn. So Mm -hmm. the entire basis of the colony is basically a debt. Right. You know, he, the king's like, oh, I can't pay you back. You know what? But here's this land that I really know nothing about. I know nothing about, but you know what? It might be good. It yeah. might work out. So, um, in this book, they also say the natural condition, um, they quote Penn. This is what he says. Um, the natural produce of the country of vegetables is trees, fruits, plants, flowers. The trees of most note are the black walnut, the cedar, cypress, chestnut, poplar, gumwood, hickory, sassafras, ash, beech, and oak of diverse sorts as red, white, and black, Spanish, chestnut, and swamp, the most durable of all, all of which there is plenty for the use of man. So I can imagine when he got here how impressed he might have been. Later on, he goes on to say, the artificial produce of the country is wheat, barley, oats, rye, peas, beans, squashes, pumpkins, watermelons, muskmelons, and all herbs and roots that our gardens in England usually bring forth. Then he also says, there are diverse plants that not only the Indians tell us, but we have had occasion to prove by swellings, burnings, cuts, etc. Swelling? (laughs) That they are. (laughs) What does that even mean? Well, he's talking about injury to the body, right? That they are. He's talking about medicinal plants. Okay. So his his, his use of words is a little bit odd to our ear but um he says but we have had occasion to prove by by swellings burnings cuts etc that they are of great virtue suddenly curing the patient and for smell i have observed several especially one the wild myrtle the others i know not what to call but are most fragrant and then finally he says the woods are adorned with lovely flowers for color greatness figure and variety i have seen the gardens of london best stored with that sort of beauty, but think they may be improved by our woods. I have sent a few to a person of quality this year for a trial. A person of quality. A person of quality. I wonder who that might be. But anyway, (laughs) so Penn Penn had the right idea. Yeah. Penn, you know, he, he... he was interested in farming, but he was also looking beyond that and looking into the woods and seeing what else there might be of use to deal with swellings, burnings, and, you know, possible uh, ornamental use. So it seems very fitting that, you know, right. that the, the Philadelphia Flower Show continues that Continues that tradition. that tradition. So let's talk about some flower shows. The Philadelphia Flower Show is organized by the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society. The... Pennsylvania Horticultural Society was founded in 1827 when a group of gentlemen farmers, botanists, and other plant enthusiasts held a meeting to create the society. There, it was resolved to establish a horticultural society in the city of Philadelphia for the promotion of this interesting and highly influential branch of science. At this time, the fledgling PHS Uh, boasted 53 members, and today their membership is well over 14,000. The first flower show was in 1829 at the Masonic Hall on Chestnut Street, where the well-known Christmas favorite, the Poinsettia, was introduced. Over the decades, the event has grown dramatically to become the nation's grandest flower show, attracting about 275,000 visitors annually, 
over an eight-day period. And it's the only place where I think you can see Bird of Paradise and tulips in the same display at the same time. <laughs> they wouldn't try that at Chelsea. <laughs> They Thank wouldn't dare. God. <laughs> I know. It is the world's largest indoor horticultural event. Um, but there are so many more shows, um, and I think better shows. Yeah. Big, bigger, some, some years. bigger isn't always better. Um, so to discuss this, we have Bob Highland, um, our good friend who's been on the show several times. Welcome back to the show, Bob. Uh, hey, Alice. How are you? And Carmen, (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. Um, You know, it's kind of gray and gloomy here in Portland, but yeah. Well, I have to say, and we've had a few doses of cold air, but um, we're kind of perking along with the front end of our gardening season already. Isn't that great? It is, and I've I've been loving your 12 days of Christmas um, photo essay. Yes, Bob, that's so great. Yeah, I just kind of did a wrap on that this morning. Yeah. You know, birds and birds and plants and yeah. celebrating the garden in the winter, which is something I'm very much into right now. Exactly. Um, particularly here in this gardening climate. Yeah. But, but same thing back back in uh, in the Northeast. I mean, there's so many great plants that can, you know, give you great stem and bark color and interest during the winter and things that actually will flower on the front end of the season. And you've had kind of a mild, oh yeah, we are you know, we... prolonged fall. So I think some things are uh, are probably doing this. The plant, some plants are doing the same thing as they are here right yeah, now. Yeah, I've seen. Um, I saw my pansies are blooming, and I saw some hellebores in bloom. Yeah, um, a couple or... of days ago. Yeah, and then I saw an azalea that opened up this weekend. Really? Yeah, I was at BBG yesterday, Bob, and I thought of you. Um, it, it's, it was uh, a unseasonably warm day. It was like 60, 60 degrees, yeah. and the place was packed with people, you know? And it was really nice to be there and appreciate the garden. I mean, it was packed for a winter day, you know? Right, right. Um, well, we just want to yeah, keep that weather going Yeah. yeah. January 27th. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about Plantorama yes. at Brooklyn Botanic Garden on January 27th. Tell us what's in store. So this is the 19th running of this, you know, small focused uh, trade show, and um, we've talked about this before. But and, and you've participated, you know, during the years. It's uh, it's a professional trade show um, with 40 commercial vendors, uh, wholesale growers, retailers who are growing great plants and and pushing them into the market for the professional trade for the coming season. So it's a way of sort of gathering all these people, a lot of them from out on the North Fork of Long Island through New Jersey and Connecticut, but great specialty growers who come in and, and have a conversation and sort of pitch their plants and their what's going on for the coming season to the professional crowd in New York City and the tri-state region. So. Yeah. And um, full disclosure, we dig plants on Heritage Radio Network um, are the media sponsors for this year. <laughs> like so, last year, and it like was great. Year, it yeah. was great. We yeah, had... let, let's not forget that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us who is on the roster to speak, because I know you've been working on um, on some great lectures. Uh, so the two speakers uh, for this year um, are Doug Tallamy, who's a professor, professor of entomology at the University of Delaware, and some people may know Doug's uh, sort of landmark book back in 2008 uh, titled Bringing Nature Home. It's a timber press book. Uh-huh. But it really, really pushed 
I think, to not only to the trade, but also to the home gardener. You know, the thinking that, you know, it's not just about ornament and beauty in the garden, but it's about sort of the cycle of attracting beneficial insects and providing habitat for butterflies and birds, you know, and, and sort, of, sort of closing the loop. It's, it's a cycle, and we should be gardening with that in mind and creating that kind of habitat in our gardens. Right, right. So, so he, he Doug has... and Rick Dark have written, wrote a new book last year. It was published in, two, in 2014 um, called The Living Landscape, and it really kind of pushes these concepts even further, more into a how-to and what kind of plants are great. And so Doug will be at Plantarama. He's our keynote, and he'll sort of be leading the charge and really talking about this, from a, not only from sort of a popular uh, place, but also, you know, because he's a scientist. He's right. really, you know, studying this very carefully. Uh, it, his, his thesis is really based on, on science and, uh, and research, and he's been working at Mount Cuba Center over the past couple of years, uh, trialing native plants and cultivars and seeing if there's any difference you know, between cultivars of native plants, and sometimes some people call these native ours, but, yes. you know, which, which you know, are, are any of them better than the others? Right. So he's going to be talking a bit about that at Plantarama. That's a really interesting topic. I don't think anybody else has really um, done that sort of research, right? No, and this is brand new. This is yeah. very cutting edge, and, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that Doug will, you know, be at Brooklyn Botanic Garden on the 27th to kind of touch on this, you right. know, for, yeah. the, for the Hort crowd in New York City. And then Ruth Clausen, the other speaker. And so Ruth, who uh, back in 1989 uh, wrote a landmark book on on perennials, mm-hmm. um, perennials for American gardens, and she co-authored authored that with uh, uh, Nikki Ekstrom. Yes, um, <laughs> we know him well. <laughs> and you know him well from yeah. the Hort Society. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. he's no longer with yeah. us, yeah. Um, but he is with us in spirit, of course. Right. And Ruth has updated, you know, how many years later? So 1989 to 25 years later, right. she's updated uh, this book uh, with Timber Press, and it's called, its new title is Essential Perennials, and she's co-authored it with Tom Christopher, who many of you know is yeah. a garden writer, and right. has book titles, you know, on, onto himself as well. Right. And this one has photos, Bob, right? Excuse me. This this new book has photos in it because I remember the original book had no it was photos of the plants. Academic, yeah, right. Very yeah. academic, yeah. and yeah. you know some photos, but you know not the best. And right. you know, yeah. this is a really you know timber as with all publishing photos and reproduction has gotten much better. And so this is not only a reference book but also a, a great uh, illustrated picture book that yeah. will. Yeah. To be useful, I think, in everybody's you know reference library. I want to get her to sign my copy of it. Yeah, <laughs> so, I remember. Uh, you know, because you know they they're they're featuring twenty seven hundred perennials. I've asked Ruth. Wow. <laughs> you know, and because Doug Tallamy really be, will be talking to the native plant thing, I've asked Ruth to really pull out essential native perennials for right. her talk right. on the twenty seventh. Right. So that will be the focus there. Good. So you've done your fair share of organizing these horticultural shows and displays. Um, what are the some of the challenges that you face at Plantarama every year? <laughs> and can you give us some behind the scenes stories? 
Oh, behind the scenes stories. <laughs> we well, love the know, drama, it Bob. Comes down to venue and logistics and, yeah. and, and affordable venues. And, yeah. and we've seen this. And, and people who buy and own these shows and try to make them at least break even and nowadays make a profit, which is, which is difficult to do. Right. Venues are expensive. You know, trying to find a venue that will accommodate, you know, the amount of people you expect to come and, and vendors. So, I mean, that's always, we've been very fortunate uh, to have this great association with Brooklyn Botanic Garden. Right. Who has this, you know, wonderful facility, the Palm House. Uh, which features, you know, which is a great space to, to put on this trade show. They have a great auditorium and now a new visitor center space right. that we'll be using for a first-time-ever jobs fair. Yes, we're excited about that. We're going to feature that. Um, we're going to be interviewing people um, in, that, in that venue um, on the day of. Right, for a right. spot for a, a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great addition, Bob, because that's when people are looking for work. That's when people are looking to hire, you know, and you mm-hmm. get that great face-to-face, you right. know. I mean, we have a captive audience. We, yeah. you know, yeah. Plantarama generally, you know, weather-dependent, but generally attracts anywhere from 800 to 1,200 uh, horticulture professionals, landscape designers, maintenance people, landscape architects, um, right. you know, to, to the garden during that day. So it really is, uh, it's a great captive audience to, to recruit and, and to, you know, make it known what, you know, who and what kind of positions you have available. Yeah. So let's talk for a second, though, about um, flower shows and, and like the, you know, like the Pennsylvania show, right? That is such a monster of a show. And that audience is really the general public. Yes. Most of the flower shows are geared towards the general public. In fact, the year that Carmen and I both started at the Hort Society of New York was the year that um, Tony Smith, then the president of the Hort Society, decided, because it was a, a lost leader, to cancel the New York Flower Show because we could never compete with the Philly show. Um, and that was very controversial because very. because New York has a very old, distinguished Hort Society and this longtime show. Um, Bob, I'm sure you remember that when we canceled the show because you were at BBG then. And then remember, we tried to do that show um, at the Metrotech Plaza. We did do we one. Did do we it. did do a show. Yeah. Urban yeah, kind that of show ran for I think two, if not three years, and that was an outdoor show, right? Uh, not an indoor venue, but uh, you know, a commons area. You know, sort of scrunched in the middle of all those Metrotech buildings in downtown in downtown Brooklyn, right? And and again, the problem with that show was it was a little bit later in the season. Um, you know, plants didn't have to be forced ahead of schedule for indoors. Right. But Which means you don't have bird of again, paradise. trying to attract audience. And, yeah, right. you know, that's always difficult. It takes a number of years to, you know, make your statement and get on event calendars. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think the problem with that show was it probably came a little bit later in the season when people were sidetracked by their own gardening and they were outside already. You yeah. Know? Yeah. This time of the year when all of the professional trade shows and and popular shows, flower shows like Philly, and and we have one here in Seattle coming up in February, the Northwest Flower and Garden Show. Um, it's again, again, I've lost my track a little bit here. But where were we going with this? 
Well, we were just talking about the difference between um, the public shows and the private yeah, and, shows. And, and the winter people, you know, they're not outside. They're not sidetracked by their own garden. No. They're eager, you know, after the holiday, all of the... <laughs> You know, the rush and right. people start to focus on, you know, the new year, the new season, particularly gardeners. And, and this is a time that... That they have time you know, to go, actually. They I mean, have time to go. If they're indoors, they're warm. You yeah. know, they help yeah. us with our spirit and yeah. right. sort of jumpstart spring. And, and so there's a great energy for these shows, January, February, and March. But what's up, But one thing that I find kind of sad, and, and this is where Carmen and I and our love of history the shows don't offer competition like they used to like they used to you know like and i still think the philly flower show does the best job at at yeah yeah you know the horticultural classes where there's such a history and tradition of exhibiting and 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 showcasing plants that you've grown at home and you you've cared for and nurtured all season long and you're very proud of them and you you know you you time them, you know, so that they'll be in bloom perfectly for the Philadelphia Flower Show dates. Right. You know, early March, generally. And and they're judged. You know, there's a, a huge volunteer group that, you know, and very seasoned, you know, professional yeah. people who do the judging. And people covet those blue ribbons and yes. all those prizes that are awarded. Yeah. It's just... And it's amateurs, we, Bob. You, right? you build that tradition in other, you know, it has to probably be a major city, but... Right. And there was a bit of that in New York when the flower show ran. I right. remember that. I remember. But I wish there was more of it. And, like, I wish the press would would take on that aspect of, of the shows, uh, what they used to be and what they could be, because it really gets people excited about horticulture. And I think, you know, now, unfortunately, some of the shows have just become about what vendors are there and what crafty items you can get. I know. You spice, know spice blends. You know, and, and that, you know, <laughs> yeah. the commercial, you know, yeah. aspects of those shows are important to the livelihood of the show. Sure, you know, it's sure. The commercial vendors who pay for their spaces and then give a percentage of right, right. You know, their take to the shows. I right. mean, that and people love to shop. So, yeah. you know, how do you balance all those things? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, somehow, if we can just make these plant competitions as sexy as cooking competition shows and See, America's we need to give like, away cars and things. <laughs> you know? Like, can you imagine, Bob? Subaru. Sometime in the future, a TV show where there's, like, intense drama about somebody's clivia. Carmen, you know? it's just... Oh, boy. It's just way too... It's not happening. Too British. It's too British. I mean, maybe the Brits might do that, but um, maybe only ironically we could pull, well, pull it Abby off. Well, Abbey did just start again last night, so... I don't know. Well, you know, you know, it was the, the yellow clivia that, you right. know, how many years ago now? It's probably, they're probably coming up on 30, but the rare plant auction um, that the Delaware Center for Horticulture, used to be called the Wilmington Garden Center, still, right. you know, does every year along with gardens. and. Uh-huh. That was the first plan that kind of drove the bidding and the frenzy and has continued that remarkable mm-hmm. tradition for that auction yeah. each year. Well, yeah. 
Yeah, it, they are fun. Carmen and I once went to the Wave Hill show, uh, the 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 benefit, the benefit, uh, yeah. the fall benefit, and we watched a probably a ten foot boxwood sell for what did that sell for? One hundred and ten thousand dollars. No, I think it was like fifty or sixty. No, no it went. I, I don't it, think went it went above. Went, really, I remember. Anyway, it no, was, I remember that year. That was it. Was like the the perfect storm. We yeah, <laughs> I sit on the friends. Of, I still actually serve on the friends of horticulture committee. Uh, at Wave Hill, which, you know, organizes and runs that gardener's party in September. Yeah, it's and, fun. I like and that I it's... think that was Michael Steinhardt, maybe, who, yeah. you know, was the outstanding bid on that. Yeah, it was a big New York name. That was fun. Anyway, so uh, I think we have to take a break. Yes. Stay on the line, because, Bob, we want to talk about some of your favorite shows that are happening in the uh, Northwest. You're, okay, listen- great. you're listening to We Dig Plants on Heritage Radio Network. We'll be right back. You're listening to Butterfield East by the Soulful Saints on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Foods USA has sold pasture-raised, antibiotic-free heritage meats to restaurants and homes around the country. Our farmers raise their animals with care using traditional methods guaranteed to produce the very best-tasting meat. Our pork breeds include Berkshire, Red Wattle, Duroc, Gloucester Old Spot, Large Black, and Tamworth, and our beef comes from Piedmontese, Angus Akiyushi, Belgian Blue, Highland, Simmental, and Belted Galloway cattle. We also carry a rotation of 24 rare breeds of heritage chicken, seasonal specialties like lamb, goat, geese, and of course, heritage turkeys. Visit us online at www.heritagefoodsusa.com or give us a call at 718-389-0985 to place your order today. Hi, welcome back to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We're talking flower shows, trade shows, and getting out of the house uh, in the dead <laughs> of winter with Bob Highland. Bob, so let's talk about the Northwest. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, Philly. What's the Northwest show like? Alice and I haven't gone to it yet. <clears throat> uh, the Northwest show um, is in <clears throat> Seattle, <throat> and <throat> it happens this year, February 11th through the 15th. So not too far away, another six weeks or so. And it's a bit like the Philadelphia Flower Show, big indoor exhibits with plants pushed ahead of schedule, here, even here in the <laughs> north, Northwest. <Right. laughs> and um, great, you know, I always love to go there um, because of all of these shows have days, you know, depending on how long they run, but they have... 
uh, professional seminars and they have great gardening speakers, you know, yeah. that are, you know, once you paid your general admission or free of charge, you know, if you're attending on that day. So I was just looking at the lineup for the Northwest Flower and Garden Show. And, and the nice thing about these shows are they really pull people from all over the country. Yeah. You know, so I can hear Ann Raber speak about her 20-plus years of writing for the New York, you know, gardening column for the New York Times. Uh-huh. Or I could hear Dave Culp. But then again, I can hear Nicholas Stadden, who's director of... Uh, new plants and marketing for Monrovia yeah. nurseries, you know, so I get to hear what's cutting edge and I get to hear about what Dan Hinckley is pushing, you know, into the trade through Monrovia. So, right. And, and our, you know, sort of Northwest gardening personalities, people like Lucy Hardiman and Sean Hogan. And, you know, so I, I, I go just to be in the thick of it, you know, yeah. and to immerse myself and to connect with people. And I think that's what Plantarama does. Yes. You yeah. know, it sort of jumpstarts the season and it reconnects next people who have, you know, sort of been off for a few months now because of, you know, the winter weather and, you know, dormancy. <laughs> we're breaking, <laughs> we're breaking bud. It does. We're breaking bud. We're breaking bud. I think that should be a theme, uh, breaking dormancy, Bob. <laughs> breaking dormancy, don't you think? Right. Well, I remember. Carmen. And then in, in, in Portland, you know, uh, like three weeks, two weeks after the Northwest Flower and Garden Show, we have a show that we call the Yard, Garden, and Patio Show. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind of a funky title, isn't it? Yard, Garden, Patio. But yeah. it kind of says it all, and it, yes. it attracts, you know, a, a good audience, and it runs from February 27th through March 1st. Again, you know, lots of big indoor landscape displays, uh, lots of vendors, uh, you know, things for sale, and, and great garden talks. Yeah. Are you? Would you ever consider... Um you know, participating or having a booth or, you know, doing well, a display? Well, I'm going to, I am a speaker. I'm doing a little sort of uh, demo on, uh, on container gardening. Yeah. You right. know, what you can do sort of with not a lot of money. And so, yeah, yeah low when, cost container gardening. A few years ago, Carmen and I went to the San Francisco uh, Flower and Garden Show. Uh-huh. And, that was fun. I loved it because the design was so different in San Francisco than it is in New York. So yeah. for us, I really felt so energized and so excited and inspired by the plants um, from from a total different region and yeah. zone. But also just the design, um, how things were put together. and No red mulch. Yeah, it was just, (laughs) it was so lovely to go meet other gardeners, you know, um, spend a few days with them, be in a total different environment. That's what I love the best about the flower shows, or just also being in the city and walking around and seeing other city approaches to public horticulture. Yeah, that was yeah, very I, was I love the San Francisco show. Um, 20 years ago when I was director of education at San Francisco Botanical Gardens, uh-huh. we participated every year, and it yeah. was in uh, one of the, the old landscape piers on the San Francisco Bay, closer to downtown. It's in a much bigger venue now called, I think it's still in the Cal Palace. Cal Palace, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it just had such a great, you know, distinctive charm about it, and, and such a, you know, a different take than the traditional flower shows like Philly. It just, yeah. You know, it's hard to explain. You, you get it because you've, you've seen it now. Yeah. But um, it's a it's a real blend of that sort of plants and 
plant artistry and sort of West Coast flair and a yeah. different sort of take and focus very different. On, it was, it was very different. What we all do and and to see the trees pollarded on the street was so amazing and you just don't see that in New York. You know, it's such a except outside the UN. Except outside the UN, <laughs> the one place. I know that's pretty much. <laughs> New York is just such a. Such a harsh city, you well, know. Well, San Francisco <laughs> has got the perfect climate, Bob. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's it is the perfect place to have a, a flower show. I think, yeah. you know. Oh yeah. So I have a question for you, Bob. Sure. If you had an unlimited show budget for your display or whatever, yes. and carte blanche with design, total, you know, whatever you wanted to do with regard to design, what? would you do Chelsea you'd go to Chelsea <laughs> no I'm, I'm asking like oh, what, what your what, display would yeah look like. what would you oh. want to do if you had unlimited design freedom and budget well I think it would be sort of a blend of everything we've been talking about this this afternoon um, and it, I think it would be an outdoor show not an indoor show where things had to be you know just the logistics become crazy so tricky and cumbersome yeah. with indoor shows and yeah sort of forcing plants and but it would be a show maybe on a much smaller scale like Chelsea and a, a blend of the San Francisco show and where else and and trade secrets we haven't talked about trade secrets that's uh, <laughs> a, a two-day event that happens in northwest Connecticut uh, in mid-March, and hmm. Trade Secrets really brings together specialty growers of, we say, rare and unusual and uncommon plants. I don't know what that is anymore. Right. <laughs> Not with the Internet. But, and, you know, when I had a nursery back in the Hudson Valley before moving to Portland, we were always at that show because it, it was, again, this blend of, of these smaller growers who were really avid plantsmen, grew great crops and great market, you know, things for the marketplace, as well as garden antiques, you know, the best garden antiques people yeah. in the Northwest and yeah. for a two-day show. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good part of it. Yeah, the New York Botanic Garden does a winter, I think they still do a, a winter garden antique show. Is that right, Bob? I, Correct. Maybe. I believe that's still yeah, going on. Yeah, that's, that's going on. You know, I couldn't tell you the exact dates or the timing of that. But show, that's a but, very um, popular yeah, event that is. because people do love to see that Luke stuff, Bob. You know, like, oh, you know, the average person's not going to buy a $10,000 no. faux bois table, right. but it's really but it's fun, fun to look at and go and fantasize, you know? Yeah, and that's a nice venue. But I agree with you, Bob. I, I think the shows that are outdoors are just so much more real. One of the problems I had sometimes at these indoor shows is the lighting of the plants <laughs> is so bad. I mean, I know they're restricted and there's a lot of, but sometimes it just, it's like weird and surreal and so unnatural. Like you just yeah. feel like you're in. Well, the thing know, that get, gets me is just. sort of rem reminding me of the shows that used that Dave Murbach uh, did for, I think, three or four years running at Rockefeller Center. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which were outdoors, yes. you know, in and around yeah. the central, around the ice skating rink, and yeah. throughout all those streets, side streets, and the those plaza were fun. there. And it was just, it was a magical show. Yeah. Now, talk about logistics and, you know, doing yeah. a setup in that space. I did it once with Yeah, with, with I did it, the I did it yeah. three or four times. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> with, when you were at BBG, right. And the, I did the Hort Society uh, 
display. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I collaborated with Connie Cross on a number of exhibits for the Botanic Garden, Brooklyn Botanic Garden, yeah. in that show. Yeah. So, yeah, was, great memories. And um, but again, I think that was a show that was became much more difficult to orchestrate, and from a logistic standpoint, you know, year after year. And yeah. But what a great idea it was, because it really, I mean, it's in the heart of New York City. So you have the ability to capture every single person who's walking through Rock Center and get them hooked on horticulture. I mean, right. it was it was brilliant. And it was it was a bit, uh, you know, of a model for the, the you know, the, sh- the short live show in, in Brooklyn at MetroTech. Right. You know, in that outdoor plaza. And right. I think maybe Brooklyn, you know, because, you know, it's, Brooklyn is a very different place than it was. Yeah. You know, maybe they could do it now. now. Yeah. And, um, so you think it might it be might right be able to support I mean, something like that. And I like, like that. And I so. think it has to be uh, I think that what worked at Rock Center was that it was it was specific to the place. You know, it's kind of like now there's all this trend with site specific and interactive theater. Right. Right. So if we could right. do exactly. if we could do something like that, right. know, because theaters. Um, theaters have the same challenges as people putting on other shows, botanical or otherwise. The venue is the most expensive thing, Bob, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So when they get creative, like our f- good friends who did um, a show based on Alice in Wonderland, they rented space, uh, not a traditional theater, they rented space from an abandoned hospital, hospital right. which cost a fraction of the cost. Alice right. and I, just, we, did a, we did the... Um, the entry the, display. The entry display. Um, of, of a sort of under otherworldly plant kingdom, you know, mm-hmm. and red and white roses and everything. And they were able, people were able to be immersed in it, you right, know, in that right. experience. If we can do that um, with, with horticulture shows, I think it'll attract a, a different group of people and, and a more diverse group and a younger crowd. Well, I too, think that's Bob. what Chelsea does in. In, but in Chelsea's England. outdoors, right? Right. Yeah. But that's what you're talking about. If, yeah. if America could get their act together, yeah. you know, right. and, and do but it. But it would it have would be... to be like in San Francisco or San Diego, right? right? Or cause... Yeah, it'd have to be a city with a sort of benign, forgiving climate, yeah. you know, that, you know, where the season comes a bit earlier, perhaps. Because yeah. the, the other trap with that is, you know, like in New York, um, you know, if you're trying to do an outdoor show, it's generally going to fall when everybody is just crazed with business. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, so it, it's harder to attract vendors and exhibitors and, you know, everybody all around. Right. So you, right. And I think that was a bit of perhaps the, the trouble with the Rockefeller Center show, you know, early April. Oh, yeah. I think I do remember. Do I remember some snowflakes coming down and setting so. up for one of yeah. those shows? It probably happened. You yeah. know, it could be my imagination as no, well. No, yeah. Well, part of the reason that, that I think the general public goes to the show is to get inspired for new plants. So we thought we'd ask you, Bob, as well, what plants are you, are you excited about trying in 2015? What new introductions and things have you, you know, come across, come across that you think are worthy of uh, using this year? Well, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare for that. But, you know, I'm a grass guy. So yeah. Most yeah. of my garden designs are based on grasses and long flowering perennials. So um, little blue stem, you know, I use Schizacrium little blue stem cultivars in a lot of my designs. And so there's a new one called Standing Ovation that 
um, is, has been introduced by North Creek Nurseries. Uh, they've been a vendor many times and a supporter of Plantarama. But uh, standing ovation is supposed to stand up when it's in flower and not flop. So, oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. good. That's that a good, good thing. That's a good. That's an excellent <laughs> characteristic. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and there's so many variables to this, as you know, you yeah. know, how much moisture and fertilizer and, you know, but, but uh, uh, we've incorporated this and in, I've incorporated this into uh, a big uh, public design that I've done for a small arboretum up in the Catskill region called Mountaintop Arboretum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a garden designer friend of mine, Dean Riddle, and I designed a 125-foot diameter spiral labyrinth, so... And the matrix is planted with five different grasses, uh, both cool and warm season grasses, and a mix of perennials that will take you, you know, through the season and, you know, sort of extend bloom into the fall. Oh, that sounds exciting. I'd love to go. So standing ovation is in that design and planted from plugs last year. And so this year I think will be, will tell us if standing ovation stands stands up. up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. I always get seduced by by the bulbs. You know the bulb catalogs always come first along with the seeds. Yeah. And I yep. always get seduced by the dahlias and the lilies and I get all like hyped up, you know, about that and I don't know if that happens to you but I can't I'm just a sucker for like a new weird colored thing, you know. Uh-huh. So, um, oh yeah, I know what you mean about those, you know, the, the the bulb catalogs that are pushing all of the sort of late spring summer blooming stuff. Yeah, it, just, yeah. it really gets you going, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> I'm excited about the patio um, fruits. Yes, you know I those small scale um, fruits that um, are for the urban gardener. I'm I'm for edibles for and edibles. Like that. Yeah, I, I'm really happy about. All of that, and uh, I think that'll be really interesting to see more use of of those types of things. Yeah, and it can be very overwhelming um, when you go to the flower show because, you know, it's not like a botanic garden. Not everything is labeled. Some some displays have the plant list, and you can kind of you know some good displays. But also, I think it can be confusing to people because when they see tulips and cannas and forsythia and a whole bunch of things that don't bloom together, Bob. You know, and then they want to recreate that. That's you know, it's it's not, you know, it's not always horticulturally it sound. Ain't right? No, <laughs> right. It, it can be a bit misleading. Yeah, you know, to think that all of those things, you know, your your home garden can look exactly like that, and all those things, you know, can be in bloom at, at, at the exact same time. Right. Um, you know, I think we've gotten better about that with a lot of these shows, though, that, yeah. you know, trying to, you know, to make sure that things, you know, it's either a spring, you're exhibiting, you know, spring flowering shrubs and, and perennials and bulbs together and, and not sort of adding in, dot, dotting in those summer things. Right. Yeah. That, well, that's what I meant about the bird of paradise and the tulips at this, like, just it's the just, worst combo, like yeah. the worst, you know? Yeah. It's so funny that you, I was just down in <laughs> Southern California visiting my family and, and again, because you can grow just about everything in Southern California. You know, it is. It's just, it's sort of like a flower show. It's sort of like, well, so I went to my mother's house and there were birds of paradise blooming (laughs) alongside pansies, (laughs) alongside some cyclamen that were in the ground because, you know, holidays and cyclamen. Right. And there were some poinsettias in pots by the door, and it was like, and tree ferns. Right. And I thought, wow, now, isn't that an interesting 
it's and that the thing is that is exactly what Home Depot shows um, in their like you know Mother's Day TV ad like. Right, because they're getting the tropicals way early, I you know. know. Yeah, exactly. It's I mean, terrible. we're starting. I, I think I've caught some ads already pushing that, where yeah. you know, people are out there watering, and you see these sort of lush, you know, <laughs> summertime gardens already, and it's like, wow. And there's no regard to like color or shape or scale. Well, or, some displays are amazing. I mean, yeah. when you there's been a couple of times when I've gone to the Philly show, and some I'll never forget one display. I think it was by a particular. Conservancy of the region um, or consortium. Was that the riparian? It was the riparian <laughs> landscape, Bob. I'll never forget that because it always reminded me of that British show with <laughs> riparian. <laughs> riparian, <laughs> riparian entertainments. That was so funny. Such uh, a great word. It I've was, used that word in Scrabble. Yes. Yeah. So that was they. That was an example of, um, and they were attract. It was. It was a number of years ago. It was at least yeah. ten years ago. And they were. It was a garden designed around water and to attract birds and. Um, and it was the first place wildlife. we saw Edgeworthia. Yes. Yes. And smelled it. Yes. And it was amazing. Exactly. Yeah. And made me say, I want that for my northeast garden. Now <laughs> yeah. it survived like three winters, Bob. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens this year. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sorry that we are wrapping up the time. I think we could keep talking forever to Bob. <laughs> um, so, Bob, let's let's plug um, the BBG show one more time. Can Plantarama. you give us, give us the details so Plantarama, on that? Uh, Tuesday, January 27th, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Speakers Doug Tallamy and Ruth Clawson. Uh, 40 commercial vendors, and even though this is a trade show, it's at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. The Palm House is open free of charge to anybody who would come to the garden or wants to come to the garden that day. Right. Um, the jobs fair, you know, I really can't push that enough because I think that's the way of attracting, you know, the next generation in, into our profession. I mean, we that was one impetus to 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 really stage a jobs fair. It seems yeah. it's been harder for people to you know to fill jobs and positions in horticulture the last couple of years. Um, I think nationally. Um, and Agreed. I think it's just, you know, sort of making, um, you know, increasing the awareness of, of, of our profession and what it's all about and what kind of jobs and right. and what what kind of training, you know, is, is required. So, yeah. so and, I think and, this is great. And, you don't and have to... I want to really say again how thankful we are to Heritage Radio Network for coming on board as a media sponsor again this year of the event and um and we look forward to seeing you guys there and and i know you'll be interviewing and yeah doing some some live live takes from the show which yeah is great we'll be sharing that so people can if they if for some reason they can't make it they can hear the lecture on we dig plants <laughs> thanks thanks again bob yeah thanks again you guys see thanks you for soon. having we'll us we'll see you soon so carm talk away talk about before we wrap up yes. some of the giveaway sponsors okay yes that we have. this alice and i have been really busy even though all those facebook posts look like we were just eating and drinking a lot but we have been working really hard for y'all <laughs> um we have two great giveaway sponsors um for the rest of this winter season for January, we have Landrit Seeds, which is America's oldest seed house. In January, they're going to give away a $25 gift certificate um, a week. 
Every week. Every week. So we're going to post it on Facebook. The only way you can win is you must become a Facebook fan of ours. Just like us. You, you, know, you don't have to really like us. You just have to virtually like us. Just pretend like you us. like us and say like. And say like, <laughs> and then we will randomly select you to win. Um, and for February, we have our great friends um, who've been on the show, the Garden Tool Company, one of the best sources um, to get garden really good quality garden tools. Um, they're giving away a tool a week to one lucky winner. So the only way to win is a to tool like for a, a tool. A tool. You know, none of you are tools. You listen to this show, not one of you. Sorry. It was, it was screaming out. I know. Joke. I hear you. So thanks again for joining us. Um, the show is produced by Carmen DeVito and Alice Marcus Krieg and engineered by the infatigable Jack Inslee. Yay, Jack. So um, tune in, get free stuff, and we'll see you in the garden. Happy gardening. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.